What's your name? John. What's your real name, John? Pyro. Quite a talent you have there, Pyro. I can only manipulate the fire. I can't create it. You're a god amongst insects. Never let anyone tell you different. me, my mixers. Welcome to episode 51 of the Movie Mixtape. We have fast forwarded 10 years from 1993. We have left those dinosaurs behind us and we are firmly in the noughties. This is 2003. Staring across the danger room from me right now is the gene to my Scott. Mikey P, how are you doing? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I choose you. I made a choice, and it's you, Dirk. I knew it. I bloody knew it. And across from her plastic prison, the Eric to my Charles, Marcy Dale. How the flipping heck are you, Marcy Dale? Sorry. <laughs> You really said something funny about it, like legitimately. <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at again. So hello, hi. I am. I'm. I'm well. I guess. And how are you doing? I would give that response six out of ten. What would you give that response? Yeah, Mikey? that's not bad. I'm starting <laughs> to think that's actually her mutant power is just to be able to find the humor and everything, laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> it's called anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right mm-hmm. here on this, the movie mixtape. We're doing the we're doing 2003. We're not doing 2003, but that is the year <laughs> that we have chosen for our anniversary mix. Do you know how many years ago that is, Marcy? God, twenty. Uh, Correct. Correct. Well done. Twenty years ago. So this film we're going to talk about later on in this episode is twenty years old, as old as is Girl Friday. Maybe even older than that. You know, the film we will be doing this episode later on is X-Men 2, X2, X-Men United, colon. That's what we're going to talk about later on. But yeah, I'm all right. Are we uh, living our best lives? Yeah, actually, can we start like maybe a new segment of the show, which is wrestling updates, live performances from Dirk Feelgood, who went to, I saw. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about AEW all out. Tell us about it. (laughs) That's right, Mikey P. I was at AEW All In at Wembley Stadium show with 81,000 other people. Can you believe it? Can you believe that? I was thinking about that today, trying to th- contextualize it in my brain. And I'm not sure I can really. We were a very long way away from the ring. We were right up high, right up high. And I couldn't really see what was going on. But we were all standing up, cheering. Booing CNM, CM Punk, booing him. Because don't like him. Booing CM Punk, boo. Cheering Samoa Joe. Um, giving a big high five to each other when best friends hugged. 
in the middle of the ring. You know, that <laughs> bit when best friends mm-hmm. hug in the middle of the mm-hmm. ring. But yeah, I had a really nice time. Met up with some friends. Um, got the big metal snake from the north of England down to the south of England. And we had some heroic brews in a public house. <laughs> and then uh, paid £6 for a pretzel in Wembley Stadium mm-hmm. and had a really great time. It was good. And then so we queued awful. for 90 minutes afterwards to get on the tube. So that deflated <laughs> us a little bit. But you know well, what? Uh, yeah, I always wondered about those nosebleed seats, how it is seeing like the rest. Like, there wasn't like a jumbotron you can see everything? A little or? bit. A little bit. It's like watching quite... TV then. Yeah. Then you're well, no, like, it was like it was smaller. It was worse than watching TV in that oh. in that sense because mm. the screens were actually quite small. But you can't. You cannot put a price Mm-hmm. On being in a in a stadium with eighty one thousand people, you can put a price in it. You can put a price in it because <laughs> I I had to pay for the ticket, so I know exactly I'm, I know exactly what that price is. But it was it will it will lovely. I'm not you know I couldn't go to those type of shows all the time because you are so removed from the actual wrestling, and it's a bit like going. I think it's a bit like going to like a festival. Where you mm. just you, you're looking at the music and you're enjoying it, but you're also having a chat with your mates. You're talking about the sombrero you just bought from over there. You know, you're paying twelve pounds ninety nine for beans on toast. You know that sort of thing. It's like wrestling Sounds festival, cheap, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll have to watch it again on the TV because I can't. I was I was texting my mate afterwards, going. What, what happened in that match? Good, I had no idea, and not, not, <laughs> not because of not because of alcohol, just because I was more bothered about booing mm. and cheering, and, mm. and not really seeing what was going on in the ring. And we didn't really care what was going on in the ring. We just wanted to um, get in with the spirit of it, which I think is it's a bit what like what wrestling's there for, isn't it? It's, you know, if you get bogged loud. down, you, yeah, if you get bogged down in the pretentious minutia, you just you're in it for the wrong reasons. You're in it for the wrong reasons. Did you watch it? Uh, I, I was, saw like highlights, but it was like super, super duper loud. I can't, I can't, I don't have the time commitment to do like a whole like, you know, oh, yeah. long program or anything. But it's you know, even like Twitter, even like you get a, you get a good sense of the the show and stuff. And um, we, yeah, but it seemed like it, and like I know personally, you were like putting up stuff, and it was a it seemed. Super loud. It seems like such a cool. I've been to an AEW show, and they are like a mm. different crowd, uh, where it seems more like, yeah, everybody's into it. And so I can imagine yeah. what eighty-one thousand people were like. It's. I think it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but the the British crowds, because we don't actually have, you know, it here that often. We, you know, we don't have like WWE and AEW that often. That when it is a show, they usually are up for it. It's rare that the crowds are not up for it and don't come up with their stupid chants that, that just. <laughs> Don't make any sense at all, Marcy. What do you think about AEW? Do you like I it? I have not watched any of it, but I think I told you I, when you told me you were going. I was like CM Punk, and that's all I knew. <laughs> wow, yeah, okay. um, but I used to watch wrestling. I mean, because well, wait, did Mikey know that I used to watch wrestling? Like I used to be way into it in college because that's what we did Monday nights, and then when SmackDown was on Friday nights back in the day. Mm. Um. Yeah, I've been to Raw one time and it was wild. It was so awesome just because everybody was having a good time and everybody was getting along, which I mean, I've been to like hockey games where that doesn't happen. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I just kind of felt like like there were a lot of people from all over the country 
that came to Pittsburgh for because that was like their big family like vacation or holiday. So I can see why like everybody's have it's kind of like a festival. You're all there for the same yeah. reason. Like, you know, you and you do pay a lot of money, so you wanna have a good time. You mm-hmm. don't wanna be like a dick or anything. And uh yeah, I, I liked Raw a lot when I went. I used to Dirk knows this, but I used to really like a wrestler named Wade Barrett. He's <laughs> from England, actually. But I, I really had a big crush on Justin Gabriel. He's from South Africa. He doesn't wrestle anymore, though. But he was. They were all part of Nexus. That was my. Big. And then CM Punk ironically took over Nexus. That and that's the last time I was watching wrestling. So haha, I know a little bit about wrestling. This is all just a prelude to Marcy's podcast on the faction nexus where she goes through each individual member talks about their favorite matches i can't wait for it we talking about setting aside time though mikey it was five flipping hours oh really five hours wow. yeah wow. five hours can you imagine just sitting at home if it was Did at they... home and i said to kate i'm going to watch five hours worth of wrestling she'd look at me like i would talk in dutch and she said <laughs> you are absolutely not watching five hours of wrestling you get yourself up and do some parenting engage with your children Oh, that's what she'd be like. Um, did they do the thing where, like, after the program's over, that they just wrestle, like, they do, like, four matches just, like, for the crowd? Did they do that? Is that what no, thank saying? God. Because we, okay. we had two matches that are on, like, the pre-show. They call it Zero Hour that you can okay. watch for free on YouTube. Okay. And then we had, I think it was eight matches on the show. but So it was a five-hour show in total. But I've well and truly used my going out tokens. Do you have those? Oh, do, you have, do you have those things in your relationship where you have like, it's like you try to have to build up your tokens before you can. Oh, I might. Someone's texted me and said, "Can we go out to the pub in like five months? Do you think that'll be okay?" And you have to work out how many tokens you might have in five months' time to be able to go to the pub. Well, not mm. only was this yeah. a five-hour wrestling show, I stayed out overnight. I know you did in a hotel. In a hotel, you were, you, you were out late though. Eleven, like in a hotel. Like, I I've Jeez. never even heard of tokens. There are no tokens yeah, in my relationship. We get to go do what we want to do when we want to do it. So. Let's get, get Dan, Dan on yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dan. Get Dan in here now. I'm the one that's always him. asking him to go do something because he lets me go do stuff all the time. And I'm like, please go do. Like our one friend hasn't seen Oppenheimer yet. And I was like, why don't you go with him? And I'll watch Kaya. And he was like, no, I, I'd like to stay home. Mm-hmm. And and then there's me. Like he says, I can go. I go. Like so. He is, for the second kid. All yes. right. You'll see how quickly he turns those things on. He is saving up all his tokens, Marcy. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. He's going to request a six-month trekking holiday in Timbuktu by himself. Honestly, he might. He really wants to uh, do the whole Appalachian Trail, and that takes about that long. So I wouldn't be surprised if one day he just gets in his car, and I'm like, where are you going? And he's like, hiking, and that's all he says, and I don't see him for a couple That's great. Months. That's good, though. That's yeah. Good. Dan, I salute you. I salute you, sir. Here I am, throwing me tokens away willy-nilly, and you're Mm -hmm. saving them up. You're putting them in an ISA. You're getting interest on your savings, and you're banking them. Marcy, she doesn't even know how much you've got. You've probably got millions Mm -hmm. of tokens right now. (laughs) Millions of tokens. Oh, I don't care. He can go do what he wants to do. I really don't care. We're we're kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. What makes you happy? Like, go do it. That's good. I tell you, like a token, be, like just a, uh, just this podcast, just to hang out. Exactly. <laughs> Don't you be shoving your healthy relationship in our faces, Marcy. It sickens me. Absolutely sickens me. <laughs> Are we, have you two done anything, or is it just me that's been having fun? 
Can I talk about my proud achievement? Sure. Okay, thank you. I kind of mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I, when this all started, when you and I were planning everything in the beginning, I bought a notebook. And with this movie, I've officially filled the notebook. So oh, my first notebook God. is done. And what? I'm moving on to my next notebook, and I'm going to save them. I used to save my notebooks from school, uh, high school and college, and just for classes I really liked. But I don't know. There's a lot of good things in here, and it it's fun to look back at. And I have some cute stickers I might add to some things. And uh, I'm very proud of this show, and it's just something nice for me to look at to have some more like nostalgia with it. So. Yeah, that's Check the show too. notes for some screenshots of Marcy's notebook. We're going to put this in the movie mixtape museum, I think. Mm-hmm. Lots Come of, on. Lots of just Dirk is a dreamboat and then a, a heart around it. That, that <laughs> sort of thing is probably in there. What a... What? <laughs> Even I can't believe it. revealing my DMs. I can't believe this shit. <laughs> what a hunk. <laughs> <laughs> some cartoon drawings, some doodles of Dirk and like an arrow through him. <laughs> Or it's like the super bad thing where it's just a bunch of dicks like everywhere. Like she's just doodling dicks. Like, <laughs> what kind of food? The margin. Are dick shaped the best guy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. Can I just see like the beautiful. cover of it or something? Like what? Let, gonna, I don't yeah, have anything on the there. cover of it. It's green. It's green. Let me see. Green. Oh, wow, it's a five star. I even have like our practice episodes in here. No, where you practice episodes? Don't tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as if we practice. As if, as if people listening to this think we've ever practiced. <laughs> Go to a random page and read just one sentence. Go stop right there and read whatever note you have. This is Mononoke. Okay, Mononoke roughly translates to vengeful spirit. <laughs> so, Whoa, it's full of information in there. Full of factual yeah. information. Oh yeah, just like Marcy. I used to write when we first started. I used to write like eight pages of notes for each movie, and then I've gotten down to like two or three. (laughs) (laughs) And now for everybody out there too, Marcy has the uh, what do you say, cleanest, perfect handwriting too. That's the Beatle. What? I mean, maybe better than both of yours, but I thought you were going to do this. Dirk just pitches his notes. (laughs) It makes me sad. Dirk, just what? You just pitch your notes. You throw them out pitch. when you're done. Uh, pitch. Like, yeah. How pitch. dare you? How dare you? I recycle them. Recycle them. Okay. <laughs> we don't Filthy. recycle paper, paper over mm-hmm. here, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just love the fact that while you were doing that, you just lifted a glass of wine to your mouth. <laughs> well, Marcy, what an achievement, though. I feel proud of you. I feel Thank proud you. of me. And I feel proud of Mikey for those last few pages that he was involved mm-hmm. in that in that book. Mm. I feel proud mm-hmm. of us. I'm mm. tapping my chest. He might well, have you should. Most of them are drawings of you, as you so <laughs> mentioned and ruined. <laughs> like Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet on a chaise long. <laughs> Since you're using stickers, there's two little kitty stickers on your on your nipples. <laughs> <laughs> I have little parakeet stickers. That's what I'll put on them. <laughs> Mikey, don't think that hasn't piqued my interest, you saying, talking about my nipples, because it has. Okay? Mikey, what about you? We've talked about Dirk. we talked about my notebook. What do you want to talk about? Um, I want to talk. I don't know. I had nothing funny. I had death in the family. 
and I went, I mean, like a funeral. Um, I don't know. You got to see some of your family, though. I got to see some of my family, my brother and my sister, and they mm-hmm. were all cramming in the movie mixtape listens before, so they'd be like, yeah, listen, listen, Turk and Marcy, and like they wanted to Beautiful. You know, but it was good. I slapped I some say, stickers on some mountains and stuff like that. I want to say live and air, Kaz, those glasses. I enjoy those glasses. Those, what are they, from Ghostbusters? We got one! <laughs> Harry, Harry. <laughs> I love those glasses. Yeah. Nice to see right. the fambo. I got the fambo. I actually, I have a big family and seeing all my cousins and stuff like that. And it, it is kind of like cliche when you get old and be like, you know, we'll see each other at weddings and funerals and stuff like that. And that's what it actually turns up to be. Oh, yeah, it does. Especially yeah. when you have family from far away. So I would say to anybody listening to the audience right now, pause the show right now. Call somebody you haven't talked to that you used to talk to all the time. Quick five-minute conversation, even like a text, and then come back to the show. We'll wait. No, we won't. Don't listen to him. Do it after <laughs> the show, okay? Because I can tell if you've done it during the show. And I will and I will, and I I will, will come around your house, all right? So don't do it now. Do it after the show. But we, we, we've got a big lot of cousins on my dad's side, and we only ever see each other at, like, um, weddings, christenings, funerals, and that sort of thing. And then we all get we're all together, and we're like, it's a shame we only have to <laughs> We only ever do this like once every few years, isn't it? I mean, you're right. You're yeah. right. Life moves mm-hmm. pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't remember. Ferris, advice. Mm-hmm. If you something, something, something. <laughs> you don't stop and look around once in a while. Thank you. You just Ferris. might miss it. I mean, I was reining you in to see if you remembered it, Marcy. You failed. No. You failed I, the Jeff I've test. I've been drinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Would well, you? Uh, shall we get into it? Shall we talk about this movie machine? What do yes. you think? Yes. Anniversary mix. Marcy Dale's bright idea. She says, look, we can go back in time. 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, and we can pick movies all having an anniversary. We've done 40 years. Terms of endearment. We loved it. Don't, <laughs> we loved it. Don't worry about it. 30 years. Jurassic Park. An emotional experience. A sentimental <laughs> experience. And now, here we are. 20 years time. No, not 20 years time. Here we are. Yeah, 20, 20 years, 20 you years ago. 20 years ago. And we are doing the um, sequel to X-Men titled X-Men 2, also titled X2, also known as X-Men United. Did you know I had all those names, Marcy? Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I do the synopsis to this movie. And nobody said anything, so I'm just going to do it. <clears throat> I shook my head yes. <laughs> Greetings, mixtapers. It is I, Professor Charles Xavier. You may call me Professor X. Very enigmatic, I know. I am the leader of the X-Men. No, silly. They're named after the X gene that gives us mutants our abilities, as if I would be so narcissistic. Anywho, Xavier's school for the gifted, it is 2003. Apple has launched iTunes. Gwyneth <laughs> has married Chris. And Charlie's <laughs> angels are going full throttle. But a more prestigious sequel involving yours truly is also out, entitled X2. I wonder who they named that after. My best friend in the whole wide world, Eric, had been rather naughty in the first film and made a lot of normies, my cute word for humans, mad. 
One of these grumpy guts called Stryker sets about trying to frame mutants for the attempted murder of our president. Or show. When that doesn't work, he rips off my Trey Cool Cerebo device and tries to trick me into killing all of my mates. As if, bruv. But thanks to your favourite X-Men, like Knife Hand Sideburn Dude, White Hair Windy Woman, Terrible Glasses Shiny Eyes, and our new friend Blue Tail Jumping Goblin, we managed to stop him. Other great bits include watching teenagers try to snog, terrible dads, am I right? And at one point, I write a very trendy clear plastic wheelchair, like rimless glasses, but for my legs. A happy ending, then. Certainly no one dies, and Eric doesn't try to commit mass genocide or anything. Okay, love you. Bye. You nailed that accent. That's, my God, I, do you know, that was awesome. Do you know, it didn't sound like that in rehearsals, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that was great. There was a time uh, when I was like looking away and I was like, oh my God, this is a recording. Yes. I swear, I'm not even joking. That was good. <laughs> so that's the synopsis. That's what happens in this movie, X-Men. The X-Men. Mm-hmm. I feel like me and Mikey have a, a, a solid relationship with the X-Men we've talked about a few times, but I'd like to hear from Marcy Dale now. Marcy Dale, do you have any kinship with the X-Men or is it just something that's kind of filtered across your pop culture life and you're aware of it, you've, you've breathed it in, you've drunk it in like the glass of Vino Blanco you've been drinking for the last uh, 25 minutes? Or are they somewhere special in your heart? But what's the deal? Uh, they're definitely, it's it's special. It's it's okay, so it, it's the 90s of it all. There was a really cool cartoon, you guys know about it. And I grew up watching that, and that's where the whole Gambit Rogue thing started for me. And there was also a really good Spider-Man cartoon in the '90s. And I think I think it's safe to say those are the most popular Marvel people, and maybe Fantastic Four, maybe. Yeah, I think traditionally. I, I I just really you know loved it, but then like didn't think about it for a while, and then the first movie came out, and I didn't see it in theaters, but I remember renting it from Blockbuster and watching it at my aunt's house on VHS too. And then um, I did see this one in theaters. I remember not going right away, but I went eventually. Got some friends to go, and I remember what theater. I don't know. I can always remember what theater I went to and everything. But this was a really good summer blockbuster year. So this starts it off, though. I think it came out like the beginning, like May or something. But what is so fun about back in the day, 2003, is you don't know what's all going to happen in a movie like you do now. So I just remember seeing this in the theater and not knowing who it was in the beginning at first. And then my eyes getting huge as it was dawning on me that it was Nightcrawler and me going, oh, shit, mm. I know who that is. <laughs> because he's not in the first movie and he shows up in the second one. And I don't know, it's just nice that, like, you know, they don't show everything in the first movie. They, they like, I mean, even, like, Beast doesn't show up till the third movie and stuff. But, yeah, I, I love the X-Men. I've seen almost all of them in the theaters, uh, except for some of the horrendous newer ones uh, that are pretty bad. But... We'll get more into, like, how I view the characters, but how I feel like these movies kind of feel like an alternate universe of these characters. Not all of them, but some of them just, it's not exactly there, but they tried. But I think, I think honestly, like, 
I think the X-Men movies are very important to where everything goes. I mean, uh, do you guys know <laughs> that Kevin Feige was like a co-producer and that's how he got started on with the X-Men movies? Did you know oh, that? right. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, that's how he got started with everything. And then he eventually becomes obviously the head of Marvel and MCU and, and he's doing everything that he's, I mean, we all know who he is mm-hmm. now, but that's how he got started with these X-Men movies. So I think that's really cool to think about. I like how Drake asked that question and you're sitting in a Rogue t-shirt right now and he wanted to know Yeah, I love Rogue, but I did say I love Rogue. I won't get into Rogue in these movies, but um, I love Rogue from the cartoon and the comics. I didn't start reading the comics till probably middle school, probably when the movies started coming out. I just want to say the story about uh, seeing, just because you said you remember where you saw all the movies, but I remember seeing X-Men 1. One of the best, most memorable movie moments was seeing this slow camera pan in a steel cage and you see Wolverine, you know, it's Wolverine in this pit fight. And for me, that was like one of like the all time greatest movie going moments. Um, and then it happened again in the opening of this movie. Cause when you see these bamps going off in the white house, mm-hmm. and you're like, that's mm-hmm. nightcrawler. I think nightcrawler, no matter everybody has their favorite X-Men, I think universally nightcrawler is like, everybody's like, everybody loves nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. And it is a little confusing because he's doing stuff. He's taking out people, which you don't normally see him. So it is a little confusing, even if you know who it is. But it was like cinematically one of the one of the coolest moments, I think, to see him uh, teleporting throughout the White House and taking out I, Secret yeah, Service. Yeah, I think his teleportation CGI still holds up too, like the puff of smoke that shows up when the he's brimstone. gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So bam. 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 Well, let me just show you something that I brought for this occasion. Oh, oh my God. look at that. Oh, my goodness. Talk about serendipity. My local beer shop advertised they had X-Men beers in today. And I'm Get holding I'm holding a Nightcrawler beer in my this hand. crazy. It is a um, black cherry pomegranate cotton candy sour marcy. How do you feel what about that? What the fuck? I How do you feel that. about that? I'm just going to open it live on TV. I would really That's how Nightcrawler would taste to me, I think. It does come from the circus, so that sounds like a very circusy treat. Oh my so. goodness! Look at the sound effects. Put it up to the mic. Put that up to the mic. This is a live on air. This is a live pouring sponsorship. It's oh, it's a kind guy. of a puce pink color. What do you think about that, Marcy Dale? It's beautiful. How does beautiful. it taste? I'm not tasting it yet. I'm going to let it sell, and then I'll tell you in a second. Right. Well, I need to know as but, soon as you taste it. I think what so I think the X the the X-Men films themselves, you cannot ignore their their pivotal place in like superhero cinema though, can you? Because nothing really existed that was good before. You know, Spider-Man Blade. was Spider-Man was out. Well, Blade, all right. But <laughs> Punisher, but, Dolph Lundgren. Are we talking on. just Marvel? Because there's the DC stuff before this. Yes, Marvel. Sorry, Marcy. Thank okay, you for being okay, okay. very clear and pedantic. Wow, the one uh, time but, I'll, I'll defend DC. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the first X-Men film came out before first, uh, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, right? So that was our, that was Marvel comic readers' first real good experience in my lifetime certainly of going to the cinema and like you said mikey the the logan in the k scene popping his claws it hurts every time that is that is burned into most people's brain who were who were of the right age at that moment but but this flipping bamf scene (laughs) when you've when you've turned up at the theater and you've got your popcorn and I can't even remember. I think I think I knew uh, Nightcrawler was in it, you know, because you read the magazines, you know, Nightcrawler is going to be in it. 
But I don't think I've ever even seen or even contextualized in my head that he would use his powers in that way. And Mm. it was such a clever introduction to show you how cool this character is, but how dangerous he was as well at at the same time. Because a bit later on, we we understand his lack of confidence, his flaws, and, 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 you know, all these other things. But flipping Nora, when he's doing all this wire work and he's kicking people in the face with three toes on his foot and he's bamfing around and he's whipping people up with up in the air with his tail. I was like, this nothing's gonna top this. This is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life because I am locked in a nightcrawler guy. He's absolutely perhaps the favourite X Men if I had to had to mm. really say who my mm-hmm. favourite X Men was. I think is it and I think what this film does perhaps a bit better than the first one is give us some of these incredible superhero moments as well as some nice character bits as well but we get superhero i know he's been a super villain he's doing something bad but we the super powers part of it is much more intense in this film i think than the first one yeah those character uh developments and interactions like a little bit here and there oh there you go he's drinking it wow that's nice yeah yeah it's good Really we're we're going to sponsorship. Mm-hmm. But they, it's hard to do an ensemble, I think, to make yeah. a movie where you kind of get a personality of everybody. And I was actually started it with my kids and I didn't realize like watching it through there, you get a really good sense introduction to each one of these characters. Because even if you didn't see the first movie, it's sort of like, you know, there's kids and you get Iceman's powers right off the bat. You get Pyro's powers right off the bat. And the Nightcrawler scene sets a good tone for the movie because it's like, holy cow, this one guy almost took out all the secret service mm. and the president and so it sets the tone for this is why everybody's scared of mutants and this is what this whole movie's about and it, it was like i mean that was my favorite thing about x-men just it wasn't just the powers and they look cool but every personality and i think this movie does a good job of staying faithful to those and i'm talking like old chris claremont comics where it's you know a lot of it's soap opera-ish almost like their their interactions with each other even like think, the loves, even like the little love things come out here and there. I think it's exactly soap opera, the X Men, isn't it? It is pure, pure soap opera. Coming to you, talking about ensemble cast, I think it hits for some people and it misses for others. I think there are some people that probably don't get fair shake of the stick. Still, it's a large cast for the X Men, isn't it? And I think they really do concentrate on Logan. It's it's Logan's story. It's Logan with Rogue, Charles and Eric. Those for me are the main sort of three um, narratives that, that that flow through. I don't know what you lot think. I think what happens in the first one is it's definitely the Rogue and Logan relationship. That's like the key to everything. Um, kind of like the lone wolf and cub type of story. But this one, it's more Logan and Jean. I think Rogue is like secondary in this movie. And I think Jean gets more of a more of a forefront. But she has like a big part to play with everything. Like even Scott isn't really in the movie that much i forgot how little he's in this for this time it's so weird because i i don't even remember the last time i saw this one but i remember seeing it in the theater and i remember specific like visceral things happening and it was so funny because those were the same things like i wrote down in my notes like one with the nightcrawler starting the whole movie off and then there's other things we'll get into but what i've always liked and i think you kind of mentioned this before earlier in the week Dirk. And I agree. Like, uh, I think her name's Famique. Is that how you say it? Famke. Famke. She's not really Jean. But this is what Mm. I mean, where it's like, maybe there's this alternate universe where that is this Jean. Like, I believe it enough where it's like, 
maybe, but it's not the gene I know, but I yeah. really love her chemistry with Logan. I really like them together. And I think they get the love triangle well done mm. in this one. If, oh, I'm sorry, because you love Scott so much? Is this No, why? I just think, I think that they hit the casting so well for some of these roles, but I think in other pits, it doesn't go so well. I think James Marsden is, is brilliant. I love James yeah. Marsden. He just yeah. doesn't get a lot to do. And mm-hmm. he's about 10 years younger than Gene by, mm-hmm. you know, looking at them. And it just never feels right, that relationship for me in, in the movies. And I think that makes the love triangle less um, tense for me because I just never really feel Gene and Scott. And, you know, Gene yeah. and Scott, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're yeah, but... <laughs> I don't know, they're your bread and butter with X-Men. So I do think that's something that isn't quite there for me in this. Can I ask you, though, do you feel like he and... Logan though is exactly how it should be like their relationship because I get that I get and I think that's what makes me believe the love triangle even more so is that like he and Logan have a riff and like yeah oh, your your bike needs gas well why don't you go fill it up and like they I mean we'll talk about the end of this movie but man I I really like both of them a lot I think mm. they're actually two of the better people as their superhero yeah alter ego who they're like supposed to be playing in these movies but even even she's not terrible but like even Halle Berry's just okay as Storm but she's really big in this movie in this one I feel like more so than the first one do you want to know why that is she fought for it she had won her Oscar two years before Uh, this one comes out so she's actually fourth build in this movie mm. it goes Patrick Stewart Hugh Jackman Ian McKellen Halle Berry Mm. so yeah, and I noticed that Storm was way more prominent in this one than the first one. And it's mm. because she had just won an Oscar. And yeah, she was making her money. Good for her. Like, yeah. really happy for well, her. Well, that's funny because I think yeah. when Dirk was saying there's some people that don't work out, I was actually thinking of Halle Berry because I know she's a good actress. It's just for some reason, I think because Storm, I think, is such a good character. It's one of my favorite characters, X-Men. And it's like, she's mm. really good in the comics. And maybe it's the problem, like Cyclops, is there's not a lot for her to really showcase her talents. But even when there is, she's sort of like, I don't know, it seems kind of cheesy. But she has this great moment with with uh, Nightcrawler on the plane. I mean, I know we're jumping around, but she has this, I mean, it was sexual tension, which I don't, I don't know if that was. <laughs> oh yeah, that was God, weird, that was one wasn't of it? sexiest scenes I've ever seen. And they're talking about, like, you know, religious symbols and stuff like that. But it was, like, really... Uh, I don't know. You he was going for it, right? That, yeah, he was. He, was. he, he <laughs> took his shot. He's Ooh. like, ooh, I'm here in front of Storm right now. Oh, <laughs> that was unusual. <laughs> it <laughs> that was. Choice, that choice. I but that was my problem with Storm. It's just like, feel like she hasn't really, she's kind of cheesy well, in these movies. That's my biggest problem, I think. I think. So, any it, character. I think Storm is is intense, right? You know, Storm is... There's not a lot of chill in Storm. I think she's intense a lot of the time. And I don't yeah. get that from Halle Berry's performance. Yeah, right. You know, I think, that, yeah. I, I think maybe that, for me, that's it. I totally agree with you, Marcy. It is an alternate universe, isn't it? And for whatever reason, I, Scott's 10 years younger than Gene. Um, <laughs> Logan is, of... is a foot taller than Scott. Um, and, <laughs> look, and, and do you know what? The, the problem I have with Hugh Jackman, who I realised in this film is that I think he's too flipping charming as Logan. He's mm. so charming. When he goes all berserker rage, I love it. He's he is mm-hmm. he's Wolverine. But when he's being Logan, he's hilarious. He's like he is a catch, right? Nobody is <laughs> oh, thinking nobody sexy. is thinking this guy is not a dreamboat. All right? Mm. Despite mm-hmm. despite those sideburns. 
And he's, <laughs> oh my god, I know. Uh, That's what I was gonna say. Like, I mean, other than the very beginning and the very end of this movie, they really make his hair super pointy, and it might have been a wig because it looks it was really a wig. bad in the oh, very wow. beginning. Some but of it in was the middle, a wig. You know? When it's like kind of dirty and it's yeah. like not as it's hot. It's Do you want to know hot. why? It, oh, because he had long hair for Van yeah. Helsing. You knew, oh, yeah. you knew already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that those, the beginning and the end was that. But yeah, his his hair in the middle. That's mm. that's you. <laughs> I laugh quite hard at seeing his actual Wolverine wig at at the beginning mm-hmm. and end of the movie. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. You look ridiculous. <laughs> you look ridiculous, Logan. Good. You should look ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like since this is an alternate timeline, at least for those four, Storm, Scott, Jean, and Wolverine, I feel like they were like, let's just find the sexiest people to play these characters. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Can yeah. they act? I don't know, but we're going to just put them on the screen. Yeah. I, I, mean, I feel like that's what happened. Yeah, no, no part of me in 2003 was annoyed that Famke Janssen was playing Jean Grey, <laughs> you know? I think now, if we were casting the movie now, we wouldn't be having these type of actors. They would be different actors. I think you would get, mm. for example, you would get somebody who was actually German to play Nightcrawler. You wouldn't get, <laughs> you would not get Alan Cumming, who, who, mm. Alan Cummings, who can speak German clearly, yeah. doing a, doing not, I don't know, doing a, a faux German kids? accent. Yeah. I don't want to be but I also don't want to be down well, on it because the, go on Mikey. I think it yeah, works. I was say, in a that's weird actually sort a big way. thing in the comic though, because um you know, people like Nightcrawler in the comic, not to get too nerdy, but he was always like, You guys kinda all look real you could pass as humans and walk around. You, mm. you can go on the street and be fine and yeah, and that and like he's like, I can't even do that. One of my favorite comics actually was like I just read in the back of an X Men classic. But it was Wolverine and Nightcrawler, and and he and Nightcrawler was saying this stuff. I can't walk around. He's like Wolverine's like, why? Just go out and do it. You're a nice guy. Like just walk around town. It was just Nightcrawler walking through town and like helping people and and people reacting. But they were like, oh, he's so nice. And and it was like a commentary oh. on like, you know, you can change people's opinions not on you look, but your the character of you. And there's a great scene in here. I know I'm jo- jo- jumping around, but Mystique and Nightcrawler have one scene together where mm. he's looking at her and he's like, you can change into anybody. You're a shapeshifter. Why would you walk around? Like, obviously, you're a mutant. Mm. And she's like, well, I shouldn't have to. Yeah. And he doesn't say anything. He's just in awe of her. And you see the tail spinning, the tail like yeah. lagging, which I thought was a really cool thing. But that. it's like, just the, it, this movie's so precise with what it's doing with the with their, with each dialogue. It, do, it does a lot. that, But it, yeah. it's really effective, I think. You get, a, you get the message across. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you make a good point there about like, um, is trying to be a bit more direct, isn't it, in in how it delivers its message? Because what we we don't get all we said it was a soap opera, so we don't get really all the complexities. Because you think about the characters we've got here, one of them is someone's mother, the other one is someone's <laughs> adopted mother, but we don't get any of that in in here. We don't get we don't even get that Logan and Kurt are best friends. Yeah. Or we don't, we don't, which, which I guess I'm a bit disappointed at. And we don't, <laughs> we don't get that Wolverine has any clue who Lady Deathstrike is. So mm. it's all pared down to the rocket fuel bare minimum because it's, it's a two hour, 15 minute movie. And I can totally get that. I totally understand that. And I think how they can capture such brilliant summaries of where these people are at by like literally two lines that, that Misty can, um, Nightcrawler exchange has mm-hmm. such a good moment. And she just walks off. 
and he's like he's giving the uh, sexy eyes to his mother, but he doesn't really know it. <laughs> he doesn't really know at that point. Does he? Oh my god! I will say one of the things though that I didn't like when I was first watched this movie. And it's funny how I was going to say, like, there's certain things like you get real hard on, like Star Wars, that I love. But it's like you kind of get really turned off by certain small things. And it's like you get real nerdy, for lack of a better word. And this movie is like everything it does. I was like, I don't care. It's X-Men. I love it. Like, just just throw it out there. I love it. Mm-hmm. I was really concerned that it wasn't giving Wolverine's, uh, like, the Experiment X, the Weapon X project. It's that's one of my favorite things. And, like, I just really wanted it to really be shown uh like on screen in like the in the respect that it was due but i kind of liked it now just because it's like yeah. they, did, they did, at the time they didn't know like they were going to get to tell this just place in different memories he was having and he's walking into to the place he doesn't remember anything and it's woven together into the current story because the guy that did the experiment to him william striker is on this crusade to i guess rid the world of mutant um can i say something about brian cox really quick mm. He looks like Phil Jackson and Colonel Sanders had a baby. In this mm. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. That's good. I don't know I who Phil Jackson is. He uh, he's the coach the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, so I, I was never going to know that, was I? Well, if, Google it after, and you'll see exactly what I mean. Okay. She whiz Marcy Dale. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think we sort of look back now, and you realize what a coup it was to have someone as good as uh, Brian Cox play the the villain yeah. right he was so yeah. good i think there's always as a as a young boy there's always a slight disappointment in me that we're not getting something like omega red you know mm-hmm. some kind of ridiculous yeah. villain <laughs> right. and we've right. got we've got you know william striker ah <laughs> a normal person Ugh. but he's so good and mm-hmm. you know just just the fact like little like when i say little things but just he wheels out his son and he's lobotomized his son all right, so if he's going to do that to his son, you know he's going to—he doesn't give a monkeys about any of the X Men, and just like these little things that you can just see, no, they're a real danger here, and he delivers everything so well. That, that um, hallway scene conversation he has with Senator Kelly about when you're when you're sucking on your mum's tit. I was in Vietnam or whatever it was. Did he say that or did I make that up? No, he says that. He says, I was in Vietnam f- flying choppers while you were sucking on your mom's tit in, yeah. at like um, Woodstock. Because he's saying like you're yeah. like a flower child and yeah, I'm yeah. like a, a war vet. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> I love Brian Cox. That's why, okay, I know Mikey still hasn't watched it yet, but Brian Cox is the main actor on Succession. And that's a huge what? reason. We all know that, so Matthew. <laughs> I said Mikey hasn't watched it yet. <laughs> Hello. Not everything I did is not about you. It. My, I did not my notebook cool. might be everything about you, but not everything is about you. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to what you said, Mikey, the Weapon X stuff works for me. I, I like, like the it. flashbacks, the the green coloration hues, and everything that yeah. we see. I think it's there's some nice moments of Striker and Logan together when you know he's trying to tempt him back. Logan's trying to figure out what's going on. I really like it, and I like yeah. it actually that they they thought to stick it in from the from the first film and just keep going with it rather than mm-hmm. sort of giving it us all at once. It's a nice bit of mystery. I think yeah. along with the main action. Yeah. I think that was like, I, I can't remember much of the last stand just cause it's not that good of a movie, but you know, I think that was like, don't like give all your cards away. Keep, mm. keep something like that going throughout like the trilogy, I think might've been the original plan, but I, I honestly can't remember 
other than Beast and Angel show up and Gene kills Scott in the last <laughs> and that's Spoilers all the for X-Men 3. Mm. We already mentioned Marcy. this. Remember the one episode where Mikey, <laughs> I had to explain. Oh, poor James Marsden not getting a fair shake in these films, is he? Yeah, he's a really, I really like James Marsden Yeah, me too. A lot. I'm, I'm I'm my favorite thing about this movie is yes. Yes. Please absolutely do. love quickly. that the kids are showcasing this. This was like yeah. Hogwarts, Hogwarts before Hogwarts. Like I loved all the kids running around. I loved like it yes. actually being a school and actually being a dormitory. I love that they were running. They were being like that scene where that kid who's changing the channels and he walks out and you just see a, a beam of like flashlight on his head and strikers teams coming for them. And then, like, Colossus has to, like, you know, they're all scrambling. Yeah. They, you got, like, this. Go ahead. You see Kitty? Yeah, Kitty, Kitty Pride for a second. Really right. Yeah. Well, let's stop for a second. Let's talk, about, let's, let's talk mm-hmm. about that entire scene because, yeah. I mean, we talked about the Nightcrawler scene as being, uh, you know, yeah. such an incredible introduction. But this isn't long. This is, like, half an hour or something into the movie. And then we get this. This mm. is so good, right? Like That's you were saying. Awesome you're so just. Awesome. you. You're in you're in the mansion, and I look here with you. I love being in the mansion. I love the the element, the school element, and just the kids knocking around. And yeah, like like you say, Marcy, Jubilee, Kitty, and you're shouting at you're shouting at the screen, <laughs> Siren, the Leo pointing. Yeah, you, you know you're going. That's who you are. That's who you are. I wouldn't even say they're Easter eggs. They're not Easter eggs, are they? They're they're right there in front of you, and it doesn't yeah. matter if you don't know who they are. But if you do, you're doing a little sexy wiggle in your chair, but the thing I really love and the thing that kind of made me stand up out of my chair in the cinema was we get to see bloody Wolverine be Wolverine. Mm. And like for the like, I think yeah. for the very first time, you know, in in the first film he has his claws and he pops them and stuff like that. We, we just see him straight up murder people in front of <laughs> kids. And like mm-hmm. without a second thought, didn't bat an eyelid straight in front of Iceman. And he's like, Well you better you better go do something, aren't you? I'm gonna start killing people. Like bloody hell. <laughs> And I was, I, th- I was, I think I, I was having palpitations when I, <laughs> when I was watching that. I love it. I love it. And it still shocks me that this, mm. that they did that in yeah. um, mm-hmm. what is essentially a, a kid's film. Somebody yeah. with knives coming out of his hand just stabs a load of people. I really like that it sets up to where like um, Storm's like, you're babysitting. So it's just yeah. Logan too. <laughs> and yeah. you know something's going to happen. And yeah. it, he's by himself. And yeah. Everybody it's, leaves. It's really Marcy. good, yeah. They all leave. Yeah. Logan's back yeah. for 10 minutes and they all leave. <laughs> I'm in charge like, of the kids. Oh yeah. my God. I would watch a whole movie of that <laughs> actually. Like, left. You know, like when they do the, the nanny type of movies. I would yes. just do Logan <laughs> with the kids. <laughs> oh and God. that's like, uh, you know, an hour and a half of comedic stuff. And then... Oh yeah. I happen. have a, a really... I, I I was a little bit confused because whenever he does come back, and I do really like like okay, I I just will get into it. I love Rogue. I love Rogue so much. I I can't deal with Anna mm. Paquin as Rogue. And mm-hmm. luckily in this one, she doesn't have that much to do. Mm-hmm. The first one, she's very prominent to the storyline. They like Magneto needs her, you know, to oh, wipe, sorry, wipe yeah. out all of humanity like he always wants to. Uh, but she's just just like in the background for this. But it's really weird whenever. Logan first gets back and she's like, Yeah, this is Bobby, my boyfriend. And he's like, Oh, nice to meet you. Bobby's in the first movie. What are we doing? I'm pretty sure they met in the first movie, didn't they? As if Logan, Logan can't remember what he had for his tea. He he, he cannot remember meeting some generic white guy 
But, in but the, like, in the Rogue and Bobby are Rogue and Bobby are also acting like he's never met. Marcy him doesn't know so that, that it's the really... guy language when guys try to pretend like they're indifferent <laughs> to the alpha dudes. Oh, where just, oh yeah, yeah, I think we met each other. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was very alpha. Okay. That was that was very okay. alpha. God bless Rogue. I mean, I'm not going to slander Anna Paquin. I think she does all right. Rogue's not one of my favorite characters, so I'm perhaps not as invested as as you are, mm. Marcy Dale. I think mm. she does fine. I don't like. I don't like the again you know messing around with their ages i think we could have picked a different character to to be the the younger kid in the in the first one but i understand she has a really she has a really kind of interesting power doesn't she she has a really mm-hmm. interesting story and the problem with being a mutant and how it just appears and you've got no control of it during puberty and all that stuff is 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 core to the x-men so i get it i don't like her being the jubilee character and when i say i don't yeah. like it don't get me wrong. I love this film. Ron, if you're listening, I love this film. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying I would pref- I would have preferred probably Rogue to be older. No, I, I agree, too. There's even that... Oh, yeah, I really that's like, another I Academy Award winner, one's... though. I mean, that's why they... Yeah, but that was like her. in 93. Oh, she won her Oscar in 93. Oh, my God. Look at us 10 years later. Look at her. Way to go, Anna Paquin. But uh, whatever. She's just okay. Sucky. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was going to get off topic. Never mind. I, I don't want to say it anymore. Well, how about Bobby? Like, Speaking of Rogue, how about Bob, like where he gives her a clothes change into and does the honorable thing and turn, he turns around, <laughs> lets her change. As soon as she changes, he turns around. I don't know what that was all about. That was he weird. looks like he looks like he's like the missing like in sync member. That's what Bobby looks like. Yeah, it's there. So I really love the scene where his parents come home and they're all there and they had like a sit down conversation where sort of like reminiscent of, I guess having like a family meeting about a kid coming out or something like that. And it's, mm. it's doesn't rob the family too well. And the brother is so upset that he goes upstairs and actually, you know, rats him out. He calls a cop, he snitches on him. He calls, yeah. he calls the police and says, this guy's at my house. And that's actually, I thought that was pretty powerful that these little scenes where the family's struggling to accept that yeah. he's a mutant. And doesn't know. I think that's why so many people love X-Men and Spider-Man because they're the most human and relatable characters. We always feel like oddballs and the odd one out and like that society doesn't like accept us and that's why we love the X-Men because it's so relatable. Mm. Like you want to be normal and fit in but you're not and that's exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. That's why I love them. Well, you know, I think that's why a lot both, of people and, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm done. Well, firstly, Ronnie is a grass. Do one, Ronnie. <laughs> Nobody likes you. And I think, but I think Spider Man <laughs> and the X Men, you know, traditionally they're all teenagers, aren't they? You know, it's mm. all, and I think the teenager stories are always the most interesting because, you know, that is when everybody feels messed up, right? That is when everybody's body changes. That's when you kind of come to terms with mm. perhaps who you are, even if you're kind of struggling with it. Most of the best shows ever are about teenagers, if I'm being frank with you right now um, i agree and it's also mm-hmm. like you're coming of age and trying to figure out where which direction you want to go to and i think what this movie does is capture that what i really loved about x-men was that dichotomy of you are protecting people the x-men are protecting humans who hate them they want yeah. them all dead and the, and it's very like martin luther king it's very gandhi just to be like i will still love you even though you hate me and i always love that about the x-men i think it comes yeah. through in this movie really well oh i was just gonna say that's why it makes the Eric and Charles relationship so powerful because they were best friends. Mm -hmm. They really care about each other. They still care about each other, but Charles just cannot agree with Eric and Eric cannot agree with Charles. Like 
they are both on different sides and that's what makes Magneto a villain and, and Xavier a mm-hmm. hero. It's, it's really thought provoking. Well, along it's those really- same lines, we have Py- the Pyro kid that's sitting, you know, Rogue and Bobby kind of make their decision. And then Pyro kid, I forget his name, John, he's John. sitting on the X jet with Magneto and Mystique. And Magneto to me is the, my favorite villain of all time, just because mm. you kind of really sympathize with him. They have this short conversation, but he's basically like, you are an insect. You are a god among insects. Like, don't feel bad about yourself or what you can do. And he's getting a different take than Bobby and Rogue were, where maybe I, I'm siding more with Magneto. And he's like somebody you can sympathize with. Here's humans that he grew up in a Nazi concentration camp. And then there's humans that mm-hmm. want to kill him. And he's like, F this. I'm better than all of them. And Magneto's just saved them, right? So Magneto, yeah. at that point, mm-hmm. has just saved them. And and I think there's so many nuances with Eric and, and Charles that, that continue to work and will continue to work because as, as cinema has evolved and storytelling has become more intricate and more real, that was always there. You know, Magneto mm-hmm. was always an anti-hero, I suppose. And that you would you believed him. You believed what he was saying. It's just his, his methods were, were, were too extreme. We've talked about um, three incredible scenes, the Nightcrawler scene, the Attack of the Mansion, and at the Drake House. Three incredible scenes. But then we've got these two incredible actors, Patrick Stewart and Ian mm-hmm. McKellen, playing the main roles. And it's just like, this is magic. Mm-hmm. This is like mm-hmm. stardust mm-hmm. in your hand that you've got these two people here. And, and who obviously get on anyway in real life these two yeah, old white so english dudes <laughs> love the fact that charles just turns up in the prison to have a little chat with him just for, <laughs> for, yeah. you know, for, for no good reason just because they're mates yeah. and everything like that yeah well i mean that's how the first movie ends he goes and he plays chess with him mm-hmm. and even though like eric's in jail for like ever you know <laughs> it's like charles still cares enough about him he's like you're not totally alone like you know i still care about you and i i think it's good to do that for maybe people that have made mistakes to just be like you still have a friend i don't agree with everything you're doing but i'm Mm. still like here for you and i I still care about you and i think sometimes people like magneto need things like that especially after the life he's had and you were talking about the animated show from the 90s and i think that that always sticks in my head about the animated show as well, like how they how they played Magneto in there. Like he was the villain, but there was there was a few times when he would show up and he would mm, and he would and he would it. save Charles and you know yeah. there was all mm-hmm. that that really complicated real life relationship. We were we were kind of talking a bit in terms of endearment about how Jack Nicholson just turned up um, when Aurora was going through some stuff and how that was just like an example of something that is a real relationship. And I think this is a real relationship isn't it yeah Yeah. jumping to another movie days of future past which relates heavily to this one uh there's that really cool reveal it's in the future uh it's bishop kitty pride i can't remember who's Mm. all and they're all hiding out Mm. and then um the jet shows up and it's storm charles logan and then who's the last one to get off it's magneto Mm. and it's like the world is ending for the mutants, yeah. but Magneto is there to help. Mm. And yeah, when push comes to shove, like Magneto's going to be on the right side. He's mm-hmm. going to do what it takes to like save people. And yeah, he's a really well. Ultimately, his crusade character. is for Homo Superior. So like, he's like, even though we have our odds, I'm not going to really. F- you're getting in my way. I'm going to fight you. But honestly, you're not my enemy because I'm trying to just rid the world of, of yeah. humans. Really. And he even in this movie, mm-hmm. yeah. Even in this movie, when Stryker's trying to get rid of all the mutants, he's like, "I'm on board. I'm on enemy of my enemies, my friends. So, like, I'm on your team." I used to love that 
you know, like Dirk said, and then there were like video games you could play as Magneto and stuff like that. I used to love mm. it. How about uh, Ian McKellen like flying out from like Lord of the Rings uh, like, in between and like coming to film this movie? I'm like, that's so cool that yeah. he loved it. But also, I was thinking, I was thought you were talking about like Ian McKellen just flying out of that plastic okay. cell on yeah. that oh, oh, disc yes, of steel. Yeah. I mean, that is pure that? horror. That, that well, scene. not just that. Before you got to back up. The Mystique, whole iron yeah, the she's just iron yeah, yeah. Blood, I rips it out love of her. Oh that. God, it's so, so cool. intense. It's so crazy. How many incredible scenes are there in this film? Like I know. that. that <laughs> When um, Magneto is lying down in his plastic cell and he just turns, there's something different about you today. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, it's oh, all bets are off. Yeah, you the... are in trouble. We just mm-hmm. saw yeah, Mystique stick something also, in your butt. You're not sure what what all happened. Like you're thinking maybe like like Mystique is like going to impersonate this mm. guy too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, no, no, no. no they no, they put something in him, and, and he's gonna use it. And uh, it's a really cool scene. I just want to mention one thing. This is an unintentional funny moment for me, but whenever they trick Charles, so Scott is out, you know, waiting for him, and then like they start to like gas the room, and Charles is like about to pass out, but he calls for help. But the way he's like Scott, <laughs> and he drags out the name. It's <laughs> <laughs> a new note, Tim. Yeah. No, Watch it again. It is really, really funny. <laughs> but I think they, they made a choice to sort of really make that scene like dire- directed or filmed like a horror scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's scary. Yeah. And the way that he just carries himself as he's floating on that disc and the ominous music and the way he smiles when he fires off his final two lead balls to kill the final <laughs> guards is so good. So mm. good. And connected to that, on this on this viewing, I I was enamored with Mystique in this film. I don't know what you mm. guys feel about her, but we talked about her conversation with Nightcrawler. But um, she's incredible. Like the mm. the combat scenes that she does. I love when she infiltrates the base at the end, and as she slides under the doors, she flips in the bird as as the the doors are coming down. I just think she's brilliant in this in this movie. I really like the use of Mystique and her relationship with Magneto when they're on the X jet or the plane and they're just giggling to each other like really. Oh my god! Like little catty friends, high schoolers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I have. My notes exactly. I freaking love it. They just look like two gossiping high schoolers when they're like, "We love what you've done with your hair, Rogue." It is. We love what you've done with your hair. It is so freaking good because you know they're just shit talking everybody when they're together. Like that's what they do in their free time. But I really like that um, with Mystique. So you know, most people like so you know her partner in crime is Magneto. He's in jail forever. So most people would be like, oh, I don't know what to do without my like other partner, blah, blah, blah. But she steps up and she's like, I'm going to get him out. And she figures it all out. And she is really she, cool. I just she's the most kinda, efficient yeah. henchman in the world. Yeah. Isn't she? <laughs> like, Magneto, yeah. why are you employing Toad and Sabretooth in that first film? <laughs> Literally, all you need is Mystique because she does yeah. everything. Yeah. And, and I, I'm pretty sure they're smooching. I'm pretty sure that they're smooching. <laughs> Isn't wow, it like really? I don't know. She's really going for Wolverine there. Try, try, she's smooching she, everyone. She's smooching she, everyone. She, she changes into like Jean smooching. Gray, and he's thinking <laughs> he's he's getting with Jean Gray, and then she's like, "Oh, who do you want?" 
Who do you want? You want Storm? You want who do you want? Oh yeah, that was weird. Turns out he wants Striker, right? Yeah, she's like, you want oh, this? Yeah. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yes, please give me Colonel Sanders. That's what I really want. Thank you so much. Well, any other bits that you wanted to talk about there? Anything else? Yes. I need to talk about Naked Wolverine. Thank you very much for giving me this platform. <laughs> <laughs> but he was really naked. Did you know that? that he was really naked. And they I know like, everything about it out Naked with, like, Wolverine. Oh, I was pausing. Um, I, I wanted to see it so bad. Oh, I was. I mean, I was reading up on it, but. Yeah. And did you know that they had all the female crew members around the yeah, corner? Yeah, the dollar bill. Yeah. <laughs> really that's funny yeah that was like a joke they played on him he he was into it apparently oh that's funny yeah he... yeah yeah he usually gets naked in these movies i'm I'm right. trying to think of like all the times i've seen his ass he's very hot <laughs> just saying. yeah i was, I was I watching a... this and i'm like wow he's probably 30 because he looks super young i he's never 35 thought... he's... he's 35 famke is oh. 40 james oh, is wow. it, james is 30 i think yeah wow. he's a baby yeah mm. Speaking of naked, how about this but Colossus? Yeah, the... I mean, well, like, what? He's 55 now. He looks incredible now. I mean, we saw him in that suit for the new Deadpool movie. I think he mm-hmm. he loves being Wolverine, doesn't he? I think he genuinely yeah. loves it. So, and yeah. God bless him. It, it was yeah. his first but, big film, wasn't it, in America? And yeah, I think he like, was a theater like... kid, a theater guy. And here he is, stabbing people with fist knives. He can't believe his look, can he? Making out with yeah. Frankie Anson. Rebecca Romaine. But I I, I like that. Like, you know, some people will have a big breakout role like this and then they never want to, like, look at it again. But he always comes back to I think he's genuinely thankful for the Wolverine part. Yeah. And I think he genuinely loves it, like you said. And I'm so happy. You know, whatever. If he wants to keep doing it, let him do it. I had a question for you, specifically, Dirk, because you've been here this whole time with me. I'm pretty sure Hugh Jackman is our most covered actor. Oh, maybe, yeah. We did Logan, this, and The Prestige. Yeah. Hmm. That's so three. I think... Some, Samara I think, I Weaving's at two. <laughs> You're going to increase that shortly, Maybe. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I just love Hugh Jackman so much. I think he's a really good actor, but mm. I like that, like, I, you know, like I said, some people will turn their nose up at this kind of stuff after they get too big for it, but he, he doesn't. And I'm sure it's, a lot of it is he likes money. I can't blame <laughs> him, but... I really like him as Logan. I really like him as Wolverine. I I don't care that he's not really like the comic book or the cartoon. Like I said, they made him super sexy mm-hmm. and very tall. And yeah, if I wanted to like, give him his Australian accent, characters. I wouldn't yeah. complain. Yeah. yeah. And I've been moaning. Like, like when you think cool. about like Christian Bale doing Batman and he was like, oh, well, I'm going to go on to other things. Like, why? Just do like your, <laughs> your, if you're talented enough, like you said, like Hugh Jackman, do whatever movies you want and come back mm-hmm. for the. Seven bad Batman movies come out after that. Mm-hmm. Like whatever. The other Wolverine scene I really did enjoy was his fight with Lady Deathstrike. I yeah. enjoyed that, and I yeah. think that um, <laughs> sometimes in these X films, you get a bad guy henchman who gets the short shrift, and Lady Deathstrike gets a bit of that in terms of we don't really know about Lady Deathstrike. Do we? She has one line in the entire film, but that fight scene was was worth the price of of admission for her she yeah. is so good was it kelly hugh kelly hugh yeah i think, I think that's her yeah. name yeah. she was really good and just like and... <laughs> reminded me of um x23 a little bit the way mm. that she was stabbing mm-hmm. him like with like underneath the the grid and she was just yeah. like those really fast jabs that was one of those things like the visceral things that i remember the first time seeing this like her death scene is very visceral and is something i'll never forget just because it's so 
very poetic, yeah. but it's very sad. But one of my, and this is another thing that it's like, I'll never forget this. Like the first time I heard this, but whenever he's about to fight her and her nails become mm-hmm. like the claws and he just goes, holy shit. And it just <laughs> makes me laugh so hard because it is so funny. And yeah. oh my God, like, I just, uh, it's, it's like, that is Hugh Jackman is Wolverine for me. Just mm-hmm. little comments like that. I love it. But their fight is awesome. And one of, one of the best, probably superhero fights in a movie. I think they're really like, yeah, I really like mm-hmm. that one a lot. It, it's like stands the test of time, if that makes sense. It does. Just because we were talking about what a great actor Hugh Jackman is. Uh, whenever Gene dies and he and Scott, like reacting to that, reacting differently, but reacting the same. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I, I really I feel do. like, like it's, and, you see how much like she means to both of them and how like he's trying to keep Scott together mm. while falling apart and and they both get so emotional and that's why I really think they're two of the better ones like playing like I believe James Marsden as Scott Summers and I believe Hugh Jackman as Wolverine mm-hmm. maybe they're just hot hotter versions of those in this alternate reality or whatever but I believe they both really love Gene I believe they both really care about Gene and I like I know they're like in so much shock after that happens and mm. it it really got me this time on this watch I really was like upset watching them struggle yeah. with all of that I agree with you I think also that's maybe the only thing James Marsden really gets to do in this film and i think that's my only problem you know me marcy dale bloody love me some cyclops and i just wish i wish there was a little bit more that's all I, i'm a mm-hmm. i love james marston i love cyclops he, he's great in in that i just <laughs> would have liked to have had a bit more of him in the movie but it's hard mikey like you were saying at the beginning yeah. ensemble movies and this you know, these characters, they go off in their separate directions, don't they? What, three different stories? We have Rogue mm. and Bobby, Logan, we have Storm, Gene and Nightcrawler, we have Charles and Eric. And so, so they're telling three separate stories in this film with, what, 12 different characters. I understand there's only so much you can do. It just hurts because I love um, Scott Summers so bad. All right, Mikey, anything else to say? Can we talk about the the ending White House scene? Just because that's really cool when they like mm-hmm. give their message to the president. I I really like that. That's always stuck with me too. Just like you know, we're here, yeah, and we take this very seriously, and we won't be going anywhere. So keep that in mind. Yeah, Not like fun. a threat, but kind of a threat. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think it's like saying we're human, also too. Like he's telling, we're, we're, yeah, he does change. It. We'll be watching, but like we'll be watching in the sense like it's up to you because we are humans, we are Americans, and you're the president of the United States, and like where they're making the statement it's funny you said that too because when i I haven't seen this movie in a long time probably like 15 years and what the only thing really i remember besides like the 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 attack on the school was this white house scene and you have like it's kind of cheesy but the the flashing lights but you get a shot a portrait every single one of them and Mm. just to emphasize Mm -hmm. these are people what you're about to make a statement about like how are our weapons and we should be treated as not human and and so they stop him right before he makes that speech and says what's up to you like falls in your mm. court what are you going to do now i think it's such a great use of charles's power a visual use because i think james mcavoy always sort of makes a little joke about how he just demonstrates his power by having to point to his forehead in the in the in the <laughs> first class films but to show charles being able to control these people's minds and make them stand perfectly still 
while they do all these things around is is actually a, a really clever smart thing that we can see isn't it rather yeah. than it happens in the beginning too when they're at the yeah. museum and it, it's powerful both times too like it really is like what's going on and mm-hmm. you're like oh because you don't see charles at first at the museum and then mm-hmm. everyone freezes and mm-hmm. you're like oh and then his little wheelchair shows up and you're like oh there's mm-hmm. our buddy there's our guy <laughs> i see you <laughs> but if somebody that you are afraid of everybody you can see because like we, we love charles he's a nice guy we love nightcrawler he's a nice guy but you could see if they were to be weaponized <laughs> for bad or if they were to turn yeah. bad you could see how bad they how much damage they can do. And we do get that in this movie. Nightcrawler's brainwashed and Charles is mm-hmm. killing people with his power unknowingly. Yeah, Stryker is fulfilling his own prophecy. You know, Stryker is the one that mm-hmm. brainwashes all of these mutants and, and shows their destructive capabilities. But if he hadn't done that, they wouldn't have done it in the first place, would he? Mm-hmm. Hey? Yeah. Maybe he should have a word with himself in front of a mirror and say, stop <laughs> doing it. Stop doing it, strike. Well, it's like not to be political, but like there's, it's it kind of resonates even now. Like people give in to fear and they they do things at other people's expense you for because the they're thing you're fear. afraid of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to say on that? Any of you two? I mean, thank you. I, I had, had such a, a good time. time. Yeah, it was an amazing yeah. time this morning. Thank it's you. been a while for me too, so it was really nice, and it's fun going from Logan to this and just how different. Mm. They, they how much they've grown you know what i mean like mm-hmm. to, in the logan movie well they're totally different the, feels aren't they well yeah. i just oh, real quick i just want to mm-hmm. say like compared to logan too because we were talking about logan protecting the kids in the school we actually have that in logan later on that's how he goes out mm-hmm. is he protecting all these kids that's how, that's his last final stand where he's protecting the kids to get away and that's that's it's like it, reminiscent of this movie Absolutely. And it comes back to what you were saying about the real benefit, even storytelling wise, of having it set in a school. Because uh, in the comics, Mikey, um, Emma Frost, I love Emma Frost. And her big redeeming feature is she bloody loves these kids. Mm. She's a terrible person in many, many, (laughs) many ways. But Mm -hmm. if you try and touch her kids Mm -hmm. in her school, she is going to mess you up. And I just love that, that they, they are really, they're nurturing and they're looking after their own. And there's something so inclusive about their community. You know, everybody is welcome. Anybody can come along. And, and you, this is a, a safe space. I love that. I think that's a, a core message as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. That was it. X <laughs> two. Fun. What did you say, Marcy? Mm-hmm. I said that was fine. That yeah. was a fun assignment. Thank you. Good. Well, sh- this is what we do now in the movie mixtape because the whole idea about our podcast is we share in movies we love, like you would used to share songs you loved with friends back in the day on your playlists or your mixtapes. And so at this point in the show, we incorporate the two ideas together. We smudge them together and we pick a song that we think links to the movie. And then we add it to our movie mixtape playlist, which we'll include a link to in the show notes. So you can listen to them all. And at the weekend, if you check out our Instagram at um, the underscore movie mixtape, you can vote on our IG stories as who is your favorite song choice. Who wants to go first? Uh, I will. Me. I'll go first. Come on. Uh, so when you pick this movie, I it has been a while, but... For some reason, I kept thinking about the Gene and Logan relationship, and uh, I had a song in mind, and then I watched the movie again, and I feel like this song works to apply how Logan feels about Gene. So my song is called Burning Up Slow by Cautious Clay, and uh, the lyrics that made me think specifically of 
Logan thinking of Gene. Uh, it says, but I ain't going to hold you to what you say. And the worst part of me is jealous of what you find okay. But you know, it wasn't right in my eyes. Didn't sit right with my patience. It's breezy while I die on this hill. But I ain't going to hold you to what you say. Part of me is jealous of what you find okay But you know it wasn't right in my eyes Didn't sit right with my patience It's breezy while I die on this hill So that just makes me think of like Logan waiting for Gene to leave Scott for him, maybe, or something like that. So, I don't know. You have to listen to the whole song. The chorus makes me think of Logan pining over Gene, too. So, that's why I picked that song. So. Beautiful. You're always so good with the lyrics. They're always so apt for the movie. It's like, I think about it or something. Yeah, you, know? you think about I it, you sit that. there lamenting it, don't you? Uh, good. Be, I, be, on the other hand, not in contrast, it. I don't think about it that much. <laughs> <laughs> and he's winning. So There's sometimes I don't. Mikey, have you got a it's song okay. choice? We all get there. Do you have a song choice, Mikey? Yes. So I think I alluded to it a little bit. One of the things I thought was super deep about X-Men that I loved when I was reading it and I would champion this book, especially like reading like Chris, Chris Claremont stuff that I we grew up on. But like um, I always associated with like the civil rights era. And oh, man, we have to share some man. Civil rights era, and like I was trying to think of songs that kind of um, connected the two because I feel like it, it it's a similar kind of crusade. Sam Cooke's "The Change Is Gonna Come" I feel like is a song that works for both sides. Uh, if you're like you know, it's a peaceful movement. Like there, um, there's a lot of hate, there's a lot of discrimination, but you can't stop change. And if you were Magneto or if you're Charles Xavier side, this song I think works for both of them. And it's called X-Men United. I think the song unites the movement. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. That's my choice. Mikey, can I tell you something right now? That was my song choice as well. Get out of here. No, it was. It was. That was my song choice. But for the same reason. That's never happened. Me and wow. Sympathico. So I'm having to come up with a new song on the wow, spot. Wow, this never happened. Okay. I thought I heard a voice. Maybe you're a telepath. He told me. He told me it. So you. Wow, that's crazy. So I'm going to do, so, do something now. You, your, your song choice. And my song choice previously was about the yes the, the the Charles Xavier side of things, right? The positive look to the future, yes. And that change is going to come. Well, I'm going to flip it on its head. Yeah, wow. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Magneto's side mm-hmm. right now. I'm going to pick a song from his perspective. I'm going to pick. Um, We're not going to take it by Twisted <laughs> Sister. <I love> okay, <laughs> I've just had to come with that right now. So if that's no good, blame Mikey. We'll 
I, I think that's good. We got three good choices there. That's wild. Look at you. That's impressive. Just having to pick one on the spot like that. I thought. Do you know what? For some reason, I thought. I bet somebody else has thought of this, and and so I just kind of thought I'll have to have a backup plan. Should have gone last. Shouldn't have gone last. Should have. I mean, that's what I had to do our last episode. I kind of figured you were going to go with one, so I went with a completely. You're smart. You're smart. No, I see. You're smart. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Thanks very much. Um, if you do click on the link in the show notes and listen to our songs, we, I was listening to it the other day. I had a really good time. I was cackling at some of the choices that we did for previous films. It is a really nice listen. I'm sorry it's on Spotify if you don't subscribe to that. If, however, you do want to follow us on Instagram, is the underscore movie mixtape, like I said, and that is where you can see Mikey P's incredible heart. And did you see his Jurassic Park heart? Oh my goodness! It was neon. It was day glow. It was in your face. It had a giant T Rex on it. It had Alan and the kids up in a tree. It's incredible, and it's just the reaction you got for that art, Mikey, through the roof, mm. through the roof, right? Yes. Thank you to those people. It says something. Thanks. Too humble. He's too humble. I'll tell you right now. You got a lot of positive feedback for that because it was a bloody amazing bit of art. So you can click, uh, follow us on there, see all the show art. If you want to email us, that's even better. It's not even better. It's the same. It's the same. Okay. Okay. It's not better. It's the same. We would like you to follow us on Instagram and email us in. You can email us at the mixtape pod at gmail.com. I'll say that again. You did it. The you movie it. mixtape pod at gmail.com. And Marcy, do we have any emails this week? Oh, yeah. Am I reading all of them? That was it. I was joking, really. But, I mean... (laughs) I actually looked. I looked before the show. We have three emails. I think you should read... You have such a lovely voice. Why don't you read them? Okay. We do have three emails, and it's like... I can't believe... I feel like the prettiest boy in the prom. I don't know if that's a phrase people say. (laughs) It is now. It is. Stick that on a sticker. Right. Where shall we start? (laughs) I'm going to read these emails in chronological order that we received them. First email from dearest friend, musical director, host, uh, co-host of Real Latinos, host of Needle Drop podcast, Ron. Ron writes into us, dear Professor Dale, Professor Feelgood and Professor P. <laughs> comic books and specifically X-Men comic books are my first love. When I was six years old, and got my first one in an Easter basket, I was hooked. Something about these characters and stories spoke to me in ways that other media at the time didn't. The powers and action sequences were cool, but it was the way the characters' personalities were so distinct, the way Chris Claremont added just as much interpersonal drama as superhero antics. I felt like I really knew and even related to these individuals. But most of all, I really responded to how they were depicted as being different and how even though those differences were often met with hostility, they were empowered by them. It made this group of misfits into a found family. Being a lonely, awkward, ethnically mixed kid from a low-income family, the students of Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters really connected with me in ways that I was too young to know how to articulate. When X2 was released, my expectations were blown way out of the water. God Loves, Man Kills is probably my favourite comic book story, largely because I think it's representative of everything that makes the X-Men great. 
X2 isn't a 100% faithful adaptation of the story, but it gets it where it counts. The opening sequence, the raid on the mansion, Wolverine having to look after the kids, Magneto's breakout and grooming of Pyro, Iceman's coming out to his parents, Xavier's overwhelmed (laughs) emotions of being able to walk again, followed by his anger that it's just a hallucination, Striker's hatred, Gene's sacrifice, and of course, the duality of Nightcrawler, a man of God that looks like the devil. The movie gets who these characters are and what they represent, all while balancing drama, action, and even some pretty great moments of humour. It isn't perfect. The X-Men film franchise as a whole is very spotty. It's got a packed cast, and because of that, they never did quite figure out what to do with Cyclops and Storm. (laughs) A shame, because they're great characters with a lot of potential, and Halle Berry and uh, Jimmy Marsden are great casting. The pacing is a little uneven at times, and the style and some of the effects can feel a tad dated, especially with what we've gotten in the way of superhero movies since. But it's still my favourite comic book movie. Mm. X-Men means an awful lot to me. It taught me about civil rights well before I learned about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X in school. I took three years of French in high school because Gambit was my favourite. Oh my god, me too! Oh my god! Holy cow! I wore X logo cufflinks on my wedding day. Holy smokes, Ron. Oh my god. Ron, are you the coolest person in the world? Gee, flipping whiz. Even though its depiction of how evolution works is, to put it kindly, flawed, it piqued my interest enough that I eventually studied evolutionary biology and genetics in college and became an anthropologist. Is he Mr. Sinister? Has Ron been Mr. Sinister this whole time? Uh, I would frequently use images of the X-Men in my lectures. One of my favourite fun facts to hit people with. Did you know? That if you can tolerate dairy products, you're technically a mutant. We're not supposed wow. to be able to do that beyond childhood. Lactose tolerance is actually a genetic mutation. What? So if you can handle a bowl of ice cream, you can join the X Men. Holy smokes, we're in the X Men. Guys, we're in the X Men. Thank you, Movie Mixtape. My favorite podcast. Oh Ron, his sexy son, for covering one of my favourite movies about my favourite characters. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. My song selection for this one is Lady Gaga's Born This Way. Oh, well, Ron's one. It's about celebrating who you are, regardless of how different you may feel sometimes. At its heart, I think that's what X-Men is all about. Go listen to Mikey P's fave episode where he talks about Weapon X after this. It's good stuff. I love the three of you, but you already knew that. Keep up the great work. Bamf. Snick. Ron. Good. God. My. God. The so end. I need to find Ron, and then I need to find Bishop, and then we need to go back and write every paper I ever wrote for school and have Ron <laughs> write it for me. Yeah. So. How can we get a hold of those lectures? My God. I want to see Ron, this. you're oh, a ten. wonderful, beautiful person. What is the Patreon so tier level Shout we need for Needle Drop Podcast to get those lecture notes? Okay. And how about his? How about Ron's chat about God Love Man Kills? Mm. Me and Mikey were flopping our copies out <laughs> in our DMs <laughs> earlier, weren't we? Flopping our floppies. Flopping them out and just showing them off to Marcy <laughs> and saying, look at this. Have you got one? But she didn't Yeah, I mean, we, I was actually just going to say, we did a pretty good job of summarizing because uh, I was, if Ron, Ron mentioned, what did he mention? I was like, oh yeah, we forgot about that. Do you know yeah. what? Do you know oh, what? I'm, sick of, I'm sick of Ron. 
doing a better job in his emails than we did in the whole show. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of his nonsense. I'm tired tired of his shenanigans and his hullabaloo. Can you read it again? No. But we can frame it. How yeah, do we frame it? Yeah, it. Yeah, when he mentioned um, about Charles walking in that uh, hallucination, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, Ron, you got it. I forgot yeah. about that bit. Yeah. That was great with his little tear, little tear going out. Mm. But it was surprisingly similar to our chat, wasn't it? Yeah. Same yeah. page, mm-hmm. same page. Yeah. Ron. I wonder what this. issue of uh, what his first issue was that he got in that Easter basket. I'm going to ask him after this. It's amazing. We need to know, Ron. We need to. We know. need to know. Thank you. God, and I was it, I was actually tell, talking to him. Just uh, full disclosure, I was talking to him about the needle drop because my God, uh, Dirk's been on this, and I know Marcy's coming on it. And I'm supposed to be on it, but I'm like intimidated. He does such a good job on that on that show, and everybody he interviews, mm-hmm. it's like the greatest. And I'm adding songs to my Spotify. And um, it, he does. A re- I told him he's just a natural interviewer, and he just kind of it seems structured. But like then, whatever meandering they do in the conversation, he just kind of jumps in with something really, mm. really smart and intelligent. I love like his little bit at the end. He does something like a little personal, little tidbit at the end, and he puts a song about it. It's a really good show. I definitely would check out the Needle Drop. But- yeah, I I think why it's so good is. And I've said this maybe to both. I know I definitely have said it to Dirk before, and I've said it to Ron too. But he's just a genuine person, and you don't meet many of those in your lifetime. And we're so lucky to know Ron and to have him as our friend. And Ron, we love you very much. And I don't know, you really are like the fourth person of everything. It feels like. Um, I mean, we wouldn't be picking songs without you. We wouldn't mm-hmm. be reading lovely emails every week without you. Uh, we need to get Ron back on the pod soon. We'll plan something out. But thank you for that beautiful email, Ron. For X3. He's coming on. Yeah. <laughs> the last stand with Ron. He's coming on for Spider-Man. <laughs> Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. That's uh, locked in the bank. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ron, you flipping gorgeous fella. Um, next email in chronological order. Marcy, Dirk, Mikey P. Greetings. <laughs> I am Mikey P's younger brother, AJ Palling. What? This will be the first time writing in, despite listening to all the episodes. I very much enjoy your podcast, especially the artwork. (laughs) Oh, Just finished up listening to Jurassic Park episode. Well done. And had a fun fact to share. My father-in-law is named John Hammond. With with that being said, I will neither confirm nor deny that my father-in-law walks around with a cane that has a mosquito <laughs> trapped in amber resin. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the entertainment. If you ever need to verify any stories from Mikey P's childhood, save my email. I'll give you the dirt. <laughs> AJ Pally. AJ wow. Pally. Right in. Wow. Can you believe it? I Exclusive. Don't. Didn't even tell me. I, I if I could not be more gobsmacked from Ron's email, I'm I'm shocked beyond belief. And the joke's on you. My brother doesn't remember anything, so he can't verify anything from our childhood. <laughs> but it doesn't mean we won't, you know, at least repeat it wow, on the podcast. Yeah. Whether My it's brother. true or not, we are repeating it on this uh, podcast. Interesting. <laughs> that was, thank uh, you, awesome. Andrew. Another, yeah, thank you. To frame that one now too. Yeah, Andrew, that's so amazing. 
that is beautiful we really appreciate that and we joke sometimes about how we do this podcast and none of our family ever listen to it but you've just proven <laughs> us wrong you've just proven us wrong and we we know now that mikey's family listen to it <laughs> that's good do you um do you know john his father-in-law i do i was actually going to I forgot to mention that in the last episode. It didn't come up. But... I think you said it after we oh. were done recording. You were like, oh, crap, I forgot to say this. And I was like, and then it totally left my brain. And then that email. And then like when like Dirk was reading the email, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I think I remember me, like I knew my uh, his wife's last name was Hammond. And, and like we were talking and, you know, when I first got to know them. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's her, her dad, John. And, and then, you know, we're talking. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. His name is John Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> Does he own an island off the coast of Costa Rica? <laughs> I think he's like, what I thought. He's like, yeah, yeah. John Hammond. It's like the Michael That's Bolton awesome. thing from yeah, yeah, I know. Office Space. Office Space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Your name is Michael Bolton. <laughs> Office Space, man. Oh, <laughs> I think I've watched Office Space 72 times in my life, so I could easily do that film. Andrew, thank you. You're, you're part you, of the mixtape. Brethren now. Brother. You're one. You're one with us. And final email. This is um, an email from somebody called James Neat that just came in, literally hmm. just came in about half an hour before mm-hmm. we recorded. And he And he writes... So I recently stumbled upon this podcast you will all have through the proxy of Letterboxd. I'm enjoying the camaraderie dynamic between your all's friendship, which reminds me of how my friends and I discuss movies. Anyways, I was excited that you all just did Jurassic Park, which hands down, just like you all discussed on the podcast, has one of the most memorable experiences of movie watching over the years. And it's definitely my number one experience overall. And I feel like I must share this because it is so relatable. I had just turned 10 when it came out, maybe a few weeks, and I begged my dad to take me to see it. He kept warning me that I would get scared because of a past experience with the movie Predator. Let me tell you, we went and saw it, and well, yeah, I came out of it scared. Every night, if I heard a loud thunderous boom outside from somewhere, it was the T-Rex, and it was coming for me. (laughs) (laughs) If If I saw ripples in a puddle of water, the T-Rex was near. My after-school facility I went to, there was a big imprint in the concrete in the back of the place, and all of us kids thought it was the T-Rex foot imprint. So So that means it had to be nearby. Flash forward a a year later, and I went and saw it again during the summer, this time at the drive-in, which is still around here for my friend's (laughs) birthday. And this time I embraced it more and fought back the fear. And then I ended up absolutely loving it. Months mm. later, October-ish, November, it was released on VHS, and I begged my mom to buy it while we were at Blockbuster renting something. He's putting brackets, <laughs> $29.99. I, I completely wore <laughs> it out. It was the first movie in which I could remember just about every line of dialogue. Hold on to your butts. Mm. And now it's one of my absolute favorites of all time. It's just something that has it all. The phenomenal, iconic John Williams score, the subtle humor, the adventure, the thrilling horror nature. It has a little piece of something when you completely break down a movie so that it becomes well-liked amongst most people all around the world. Spielberg really makes the audience feel like we are a part of the story. That has been his talent since Jaws. Definitely one of a kind. And to think he was making Schindler's List at the exact same time. 
P.S. As a side note, I also visited Hawaii back in 2001. Wow! And my father and I went on a helicopter ride on the island of, I can't say it, Kaui? Kauai. And we ended up seeing where they filmed quite a few spots, including the waterfall and landing pad. However, the landing pad was half intact due to damage from a hurricane they had just had a a couple of years prior. My understanding, this part is now gone. Anyways, mm. I thought I would share this coming from a super fan of the movie. P.P.S. Look up the fun meme of the comparisons of wardrobe between the Goonies and Jurassic Park. Quite <laughs> interesting. Mm. James Neat. James Neat. Wow. Bloody Thanks. lovely Good man. Good word. Wow. Thank you. That was lovely. That, oh, my God. I just have to say something, like, relatable. Um, so he was saying, like, anytime something would happen to be the T-Rex, mm. well, my, my stepdad was, like, terrible with me growing up, and he would shake plants and be like, it's a velociraptor. And I was already scared <laughs> that they were going to come and get me. So we'd be, like, you know, waiting in line at a restaurant, and they'd have, like, plants in the front, and he would start shaking it, and I'd, I'd be, like, yelling. And I hated the velociraptors so much when I was little. Um but James, that was lovely, oh. and I'm glad that movie means as much to you as it does to us. And thank you so much for writing in. James, maybe well, we could crowdfund some joint therapy sessions for you and Marcy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you for the T Rex, Marcy for the Raptors. James, can I say you something? We love it when people mm. who have, have just discovered the podcast or have never written in before reach out, contact us, send us an email, share their experiences. Mm. And I love that you said it reminds you you of how your friends discuss smoothies because that's what we want right we're not smart guys marcy is marcy's a smart person but um we know we're not we're not we're not talking movie um academia we're talking how we feel in our hearts and in our bellies and so um that means a lot to us you saying that thank you thank you so much man thank Thank you you. i just thought that the helicopter landing scene was a model to be honest it was on the island yeah they built that marcy was disgusted when you said that (laughs) really i i yeah you're lucky i'm not leaving she wiped her tears she was like i was watching her during that email (laughs) she was feeling things during it and i just ruined it hey do you know what if you want to be cool like james if you want to be cool like aj if you want to be cool like ron please email us or send a vm because we know how to do that now (laughs) to the movie mixtape pod at gmail.com I, we've been so lucky this week. Thank you for those three wonderful yeah, emails, wow. everyone. God. Anniversary mix rolls on. We're going to go to 2013, but but we don't even know who is picking the movie yet. It's a mm-hmm. random choice. We just have to put all our names in the movie mixologist cocktail shaker. Mikey, can you do that for us right now? Give me your name, Dirk. Can you write it down? Hand it to me, yeah. please. Thank you. I'm writing thank it you. down. Yeah, you write it down. Okay, Marcy. Don't... I already wrote okay, mine down. You. I can't right, put it so in here. All right, here we go. Have you... Are you... Yes. I don't Hold on, I'm shaking. And I'm splooging. Wait, the name that I've splurted out is... Mikey! Uh, 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 uh. What do you know? That's crazy. No way. It All is right. your chance. You've been splurted okay. out by okay. Okay. the mixologist cocktail shaker. All right. Okay. Okay. What film okay. have you picked from the year 2013 for us all to watch? 2013's Wolf of Wall Street. Ooh. 
next episode. Turn your pod boxes on to the movie mixtape as we are finishing our anniversary mix with The Wolf of Wall Street. Mikey, thank you. I am excited. I am excited. See you then. (laughs) Bye. 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 See you later. Bye. Suck on that, you sucker, bub. Oh, that's good. Presented by Dirk, Marcy and Mikey P. All episodes are edited by Marcy and Dirk. Show art by Mikey P. Our logo comes from Iron Tooth Design. Follow us over on Instagram at the underscore movie mixtape. You're not growing, Marcy? <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> they say you're the bad guy. Is that what they say?